Hey, good morning, everybody. How y'all doing? 10 o'clock. Not too bad here. Uh, hopefully your Monday is going smoothly, going, I guess, un-Monday-like and nice and smooth and just very chill. I don't know about y'all, but back when I was punching the clock, uh, Mondays, for some reason, tended to go a lot quicker than the rest of the week. You would think Mondays would drag, but that really wasn't the case for me. So hopefully this helps y'all with that going, you know, today in general. Um, so yeah, I asked uh, a bunch of our patrons um, some, you know, hey, do you have any questions or anything? So I figured to go ahead and get everything started. Uh, this way I'm not not uh, sitting here without a whole bunch of questions and everything leading up. So I figure I'd go ahead and start with those. So let's let's get right into it. Um, all right, so one of our patrons asked, uh, do you have a big pile of shame? Because when we started out in this hobby, we went from six games uh, to just right at 500 the first year we were in the hobby. I don't know how to do things half in. So yeah, uh, so do we have a big pile of shame? I guess some people would call it that. I don't like that term because that seems to intimate that I'm ashamed that I have unplayed games. Couldn't care less. I'm okay with that. So is it a big pile of shame? I suppose if we're arguing semantics, I'd say no, but you know what I mean. Uh, but yeah, we have a number of unplayed games, especially when you when you go from six to 500, it makes it tough to get them all played in that first year. We still have some uh, on that list that we we still haven't gotten to. We also have some that we got rid of, and quite a few of those we've gotten rid of. Um, and, uh, and Alexander also asks, uh, strategies to play unplayed games other than our game of the month. Honestly, it's whatever folks want to play. If folks are excited about playing a certain game, um, and it happens to be the quote-unquote uh, shelf of shame or pile of shame. Great. Awesome. Uh, obviously, you know, we have to continue churning through games. I mean, as reviewers, that's that's kind of what you do. But playing games four or five days a week, in theory, uh, allows us a lot more time to be able to go back through that stuff. So uh, just, just play games more often, I guess, would be the strategy that we employ, honestly. Uh, he also asks, uh, do you consider plays of a game short-term versus long-term, i.e. if it isn't played, say, in a 12-month window, it leaves the collection? Nope. We don't have any artificial barriers that we set on ourselves like that. Uh, so it's, it's just we get to it when we get to it. Every single game that has come into this house has has a reason for being here in the sense that I've either done extensive research on it or there's something about the game that really interests me and so I want to get it played. Uh, the only reason a game has ever come into the house and left without being played, uh, and this doesn't really happen anymore, and this was from earlier when we were newer in the hobby, is taste change. And while, yes, my tastes are still evolving, I think everybody, all of us gamers, have our tastes that evolve. But I would say that they accelerated, the, the change accelerated at the, uh, at the beginning and has decelerated. So uh, there were games that I backed on Kickstarter that by the time I got them, I was like, oof, 
uh-uh, not not my cup of tea anymore. Um, so I'd get rid of them, and and that's that. And by when I say I, my cup of tea, I'm I'm speaking for both Amanda and I, because as y'all know, Amanda doesn't anticipate games in a sense that uh, she is excited about whatever's on the table because she doesn't. She doesn't do the research. She doesn't do all that, which she is a, uh, and I think she's going to talk about this actually in Thursday's episode, that she is a player, not a collector or something along those lines. So anyway, I'll let her get into that more. But yeah, so big pile of shame. I don't like that term because um, I have the collection that we, or we have the collection that we have. We're not ashamed of the games that are in our collection. So there's that. Uh all right. Someone also asks, "Essing games that I want." Uh, so we're gonna do, or the plan, having spoken to Jim, is to do a uh, collaborative episode like we did with Punching Cardboard last year for Essen. Plans to do it again this year. So I just went through and grabbed. I don't know how many is there. Three, six, nine. There's tw a dozen here that. These aren't in any sort of order, and I'm not saying that these are the highest, but these are just some that I'm looking forward to checking out at Essen, which this list is already bigger than the entire list of Gen Con, and this was this took me about three minutes to compile. So that, that tells you that, that Essen is more our speed, more, you know, has more of our interests, which... If you guys are watching this or have listened to us or have, have seen any of our stuff, you understand, you know, it's heavy cardboard. So whatever, you get that. All right. So uh, that said, in no particular order, 4X from Holland Spiele, Kalimala from uh, ADC Blackfire, which I was fortunate enough to get a, uh, a play in with uh, Uli and Clay and Adrian and Christoph... Uh, at, at uh, Gen Con, that, I'm really looking forward to that. That has some really, really unique, um, nah, that, that's overplayed that word, isn't it? It's like interesting. Yeah. If everything's interesting, nothing's interesting. Uh, yeah, unique, I think is, is, at least to me, in my experience, it has some mechanisms that I haven't seen before that it's really simple in execution, but really damn clever. So yeah, Kalimala, I'm, I'm excited to get a copy of. Noria. So this one, uh, Clemens Franz and Michael Menzel teamed up for the artwork. That's, that's strong. <laughs> um, but this is kind of confusing to me. And maybe as I go through the chat here in a little bit, uh, maybe you guys will be able to help me out with this, but this it's one of those things, you know, one of these things is not like the other. So I was looking up Noria and it said uh, it won the Spiel des Jahres Fellowship Award in 2015. So when I think Spiel des Jahres, I think family game, uh, uh, gateway game, definitely not a heavy game. I think that's, that's fair, right? But it, the initial weight rating is four out of five does not compute but it has Clemens Franz and Michael Menzel teaming up so it's worth at least checking out and I'm I'm curious to to decipher that I think that's kind of kind of interesting anyway uh Gaia project I saw a prototype of this uh at Gen Con and 
pleasantly surprised because I had written it off as a Terra Mystica clone, which you guys, anybody that's heard our review, eh, it's fine. Um, this actually looks a lot more interesting to me, even though as a guy who says doesn't really dig space games, sure seem to be enjoying a lot of space games. So yeah, Gaia Project looks good. Clans of Caledonia, Wildcatters. I mean, I know how it plays, but I still want to see the, the new version. I'm excited about that. John Company, obviously. The Cousins War. Uh, Tony Boydell putting that out. Transatlantic. This game from uh, Mr. Rondell himself has been delayed for like three years running, I think. So if it actually shows up at Spiel, looking forward to checking that out. Agra from Quinted Games. We should be getting the prototype here ahead of Essen, but still provided... Uh, the gameplay is good. Looking forward to that. Riverboat. I saw a very, uh, just a rough, just saw it. Didn't actually interact with it or anything. Uh, saw it at the Mayfair Lookout Games booth at Gen Con. Um, check it out. And Keeper, because it's Richard Breeze. Um, even though he, he lately has been tending or trending lighter, which there's nothing wrong with, just maybe not what I would prefer. Um, still, I back Keeper. Looking forward to that. So, so yeah, that's some of the games. Looking forward to it. Us and Forex, Kalimala, Noria, Gaia Project, Clans of Caledonia, Wildcatters, John Company, Cousins War, Transatlantic, Agra, Riverboat, and Keeper. Now, this is by no means an all-encompassing list. Listen for the episode for that one. Plus, you know, we have our anticipation geek list. Check that out when I get to updating it. Um... All right, cool. Um, we should have plenty of questions now to catch up with on in the chat. So I will I will mark those off and I'll come back to the rest of them at the end. All right, so let me scroll back up and check this out. So as I said, good morning, everybody. Or if you're listening to this, good whatever time it is after the fact. Oh, Dice Tower is doing their live chat at the same time, huh? All righty. Different strokes, different folks. Hi, Tom. Um, Mini Rails. Trent says uh, he's given a positive plug for good because I got a copy at, uh, at Gen Con. Um, Clay actually shipped me a big box because I only have my backpack with me for traveling super light to and from Gen Con. So that should be here Thursday. So Beer Empire, uh, Mini Rails. Oh, what else? Valletta, Lemuria from Tasty Minstrel, and a couple others. And he said he threw in some surprises. So, yay, I like surprises. All right, cool. So, looking forward to that. Um, Jose asks, uh, how do I update the patron number on the glass? Meaning what we call the 138 box over here to the right. So the reason we call it the 138 box is when we moved into the studio from downstairs, uh, we had 138 patrons at the time. We now have 333 patrons. Thanks guys, gals. Uh, how do we, uh, those are actually stickers on the glass. Um, we have we have little peel and, or reusable stickers that we we change before every live stream whenever that number changes uh, for the uh, hopefully up. <laughs> um, 
And as promised, I will get a heavy cardboard tattoo when we reach a thousand patrons, which I'll be honest, when I made that joke, or not joke, when I made that promise, it was somewhat tongue in cheek. Uh, I, 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 I would love to get to a thousand. I didn't know if we really would. I'll be honest. Be kind of disappointed if we don't but i do think it's trending that way plus we have our patron drive coming up in a couple of weeks more on that here probably towards the end of this um but yeah apparently i just realized like literally just now we are a third of the way to a thousand patrons wow that's pretty cool that's really cool actually i think we are now in the uh top 150 podcast patron uh patreons in the world by number of patrons i think that's pretty cool right for a niche podcast slash youtube channel so thank you to all our patrons as you guys saw in the uh in the intro video um these ask the elephants and all this extra content that isn't playthroughs and and, and technically the playthroughs as well along with our other sponsors but these are brought to you by our patrons because without them this ain't happening so thank you to all our patrons which jose is one of them so thank you jose uh, let's see. Hearing any rumors on when Brazil will kickstart, Brian asks. I have not. Um, I actually need to touch base with Veronica and Mariano about that. Have a couple questions for them, um, which that is on my reminder list on my Trello board for to do September 1st. So I'll have an answer hopefully after that. Although honestly... I don't know if we'll be dropping that news or if they will. We'll see. But uh, once I get the okay to give any kind of update on that, I will certainly do so. Any thoughts on steamrollers, Michael asks. Um, I've had the original. Haven't gotten to it. That, that would be in that whole pile of shame. Uh, just haven't gotten to it. So I have the original. I'm excited to, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to checking it out when we get to it. Just haven't yet. So, no. Have we tried out Oh My Goods by Alexander Pfister? Uh Oh, yeah. We, we've played it and talked about it on the podcast numerous times. Um, good filler. It's fine. Um, it didn't make either... Or it made neither Amanda's nor my uh, top six uh, thinky fillers, but it's fine. Yeah, it, it's enjoyable. And yes, uh, for those watching on YouTube, uh, there's a few games over my shoulders that I, I decided to put the box lids up for. So we have Demacher up there. We have Time of Crisis and Reef Encounter. Three games that I'm hoping to get live streamed uh, in the next month. Mm, let me abridge that. Three games I would like to get live streamed before Essen. That seems completely reasonable. And reviewed, actually, for that matter. I mean, obviously, we've already done Demacher, um, but I think it would be interesting uh, and enlightening to get give a look back on Demacher as well as a review of Reef Encounter which should be a contested review, I think is a good way to put it. <laughs> there, There is definitely a difference of opinion on how good Reef Encounter is, 
uh, here at HCHQ. Some of HCHQ is wrong, plain and simple. So there's that. <laughs> Any thoughts on the new Batman game? That has completely eluded me, Michael. Not a clue. Not a single thought. Know nothing about it. So no. Um, if you want link to it, I'll check it out. Hom Tanks says uh, they should re-release the mocker. I agree. I'll leave it at that. By the way, did you guys? Did anybody? Is this, everybody caught up with Game of Thrones? I assume people are watching it. Uh, so I got to be honest. The last couple of episodes leading up to the season finale, the penultimate season finale, uh, were real big letdowns. However, last night I gotta say that caught me off guard really did so yeah anyway just thought i'd share i know that was mean i know but you guys can't read my lips either because the microphone's in front of my mouth so figure that'd be fun uh lost my spot sorry give me a second Oh, Jonathan says, first time I've seen you live. Watch through the ages and food chain magnet so far, and that's it. So hopefully you've enjoyed those, Jonathan. I assume you did since you, you're coming back. So welcome. Uh, anybody that's new to the uh, the live streams, appreciate it. I think, uh, I think the quality that we're putting out, I think we're doing it the right way. So appreciate you uh, joining the peanut gallery. Welcome aboard, Jonathan. Giovanni asks, uh, sorry, I don't mean to laugh at this, Giovanni, but uh, something not gaming related. Where I, was I ever deployed? So for those that don't know, I'm a Marine. I joined the Marine Corps in 93, and I separated from the Marine Corps, uh, my honorable discharge. Uh, I went on terminal leave three days before 9-11, and then I had 42 days of nerve-wrackingness that every time the phone rang, I was worried that they were going to be recalling me. Um, did I ever deploy? Um, the the better question, Giovanni, was how much time did you actually spend not deployed? Because that's a very small number. Um, me being in the air wing, I, I was I worked F eighteen squadrons, uh, so three different squadrons during my time in the Marine Corps, and I did two Westpacs, which means we did two trips to Japan which included Thailand, Australia, uh, and stuff over there, as well as all over Japan, uh, Kadena Air Force Base down in Okinawa, as well as Iwakuni in Japan. Um, and I did two med floats, med floats being uh, aircraft carrier uh, in, the, in the Mediterranean. The first one I did was in 95 on the USS America's last cruise. That was the last diesel carrier in the US fleet. And that was the, that was one of the most miserable experiences I've ever had of anything ever in my entire life. Six months on a diesel carrier where everything smells, tastes like diesel fuel. Um, all your clothes have, uh, are some shade of gray. 
Uh, you take a shower, it smells like diesel fuel. Oh, it was miserable. Plus, this is back in 95, so this is when Yugoslavia uh, and all that was breaking up and all that was going down. So we were doing little circles in the Adriatic for essentially six months. Um, we went 66 straight days without hitting a port. Um, a lot of guys fighting at that point. You're supposed to have a beer day at a certain point, but because we were in a combat zone, we didn't get that. Yeah, that was miserable. However, went through the Suez Canal four times, slept through it three times. Uh, the first time you were like, oh, wow, look, look down. There's land because the carriers are so big. So that was cool. Um, got to see a lot of the world all over Greece, all over Italy, uh, Malta. Um, which I'm still convinced nobody on Malta actually works. They just party at the clubs till five in the morning on a Wednesday. Cause as you do, uh, went to UAE, like I said, Australia, Thailand, Greece, Italy, biggest regret on deploy. Uh, so you guys know I'm a huge history buff and on, uh, that first cruise we hit Naples, we hit Naples, Italy on one port, which Naples is right by Pompeii. I am a huge ancient Roman uh, history fan. And I was 19 or 20. I think I was 20 at the time. And had a tour that booked for Pompeii. And somehow, some way, overslept. And I missed it. Yeah. One of the biggest regrets of my life right there. That, that, I, mm, I'm bitter about that. So at some point, I will go visit. Anyway, yeah, so yes, spent a lot of time deployed um, all over Japan, went to Hiroshima, saw the uh, the Peace Museum there. That was a impactful visit, especially being American and seeing all the Japanese there. And it was just, yeah, it was, that was like you whisper when you're in there, kind of like uh, when we went to Gettysburg right before WBC this this summer. Um, I just felt the need to whisper at the battlefield. That was, yeah, it was crazy. Anyway, so hopefully that answers that. <laughs> Jonathan says, for me, Through the Ages is the heaviest game I can handle before I stop enjoying it so far. I may go heavier one day. What game should I play if I outgrow Through the Ages? So that's kind of a tough question, Jonathan, because are you, are you talking about outgrowing it as a Civ game or are you talking about outgrowing it just as a weight, just as a general, you know, not specifically a, a civilization building game. Um, there's always war games. <laughs> there's always 18XX. Uh, as far as weight goes, as far as Civ game, I don't know that there is a heavier Civ game out there. Even including, you know, the the new one from Fantasy Flight or, or the older version of the new, you know what I mean. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say uh, there's any Civ game heavier. So it all depends on what you mean in regards to that. So for those watching at work, as I said, hopefully this, this helps your day go along a little bit quicker. New Uwe game. Uwe Rosenberg game at Essen. Any interest, Edward? Jeff asks. By default? I mean, I, I, I feel compelled to at least check it out. Am I anticipating it? Like, am I excited for it? The answer is absolutely 100% no. 
ever since 2013 when Uwe started this path that he's been on since Glass Road, they're just not my cup of tea anymore. It's not what he's not designing the types of games that I enjoy. Uh, so will I check it out? Absolutely, of course. Am I looking forward to it? No, because I expect it to be more of similar to the Caverna, uh, Feast for Odin, that type of game to where it's it's all about uh, efficiency, solitaire, multiplayer solitaire that there's just, it's not a, not a style of game that I'm enjoying that he's been designing. So will I check it out? Yes. Am I interested in it? Not really. Could I be surprised? Hell, I hope to be surprised. I, I genuinely am excited at the at the prospect of being caught off guard. But do I expect to be? No. Stock-based fishing game. Yep. Any hope of a live stream of Churchill someday? Sir Good. Yeah. 100% yes. Uh, Ash and I played it two-player uh, with, with a bot for Stalin. And... I think he was just lukewarm on it, he, but he would be a team player and be willing. I know Amanda's super excited about getting that one to the table as well. So yeah, that definitely will happen. When? That I can't promise. But yes, Churchill will be live streamed at some point. Marlon asks, how's Amanda doing? Um, she's currently at work because she is a she is far stronger than I am when she's sick. She, she is a, a trooper, put on a good face. She's actually watching this right now, so... Hi, Amanda. Hope you're feeling better. Um, she's not. She feels like uh, not ideal, but she's being a trooper. So good on her. Appreciate it because somebody in this house has to work, right? <laughs> oh, Amanda says, yeah, it's Edward that's wrong about Reef Encounter. Thanks, though. Yeah, mm, no, not so much. But you know what? You're sick. We're not going to argue about this right now. <laughs> Ever played Brussels 1893? Yup. Aiden or Aden? Aiden. We'll go with Aiden. Uh, yeah, we have. We enjoy it. We have it downstairs. And that's another that we will be live streaming. So, okay. There are thousands of games, right? And we live stream anywhere between, barring when I'm sick, anywhere between what? Two and four a week? So even if we were to do four a week every week, that's 220 games in over the course of a year. So if the question comes up a lot, hey, will you ever? The answer is probably yes. It's just there's only so much time in, in a given week for us to be able to live stream games. So it's coming probably. If it fits in our wheelhouse, medium, heavy, war games, 18xx, usually the answer will be, yeah, probably. We'll be live streaming it at some point, but just give us time. There's only so many hours, but yeah, definitely, uh, definitely planned. <laughs> I'm just now uh, catching up where I muted my mic talking about, uh, talking about Game of Thrones last night. Uh, I thought that was pretty funny. I got a glory to Rome. I wonder if we should like start a, a glory to Rome segment for viewers for the peanut gallery. Uh, for whenever we do stuff like that. I think that's pretty funny. Sorry about that, Jeff. Not really. Not at all. Uh, uh, Skywolf 
asks, uh, Edward, did you get to play Spirit Island at Gen Con? What did you think about it? Is it uh, is this the co-op that, that beats your fear of co-ops? I don't have a fear of co-ops. I have a dislike of co-ops. So start there. Did I play Spirit Island? No. However, uh, one of the fine folks over at the booth uh, ran me through a demo of it and explained it. And I'll be honest. Hmm. Didn't grab me. However, there was one aspect of the game that really was really appealing to me. And I think this could get other folks who aren't normally interested in a co-op type game possibly interested in it. And that's that it has historical uh, factions that can invade this spirit island and they act like those armies would would act like so it has like a prussian invasion now it's obviously not historic because this is a fantasy themed game but the the idea of that the faction would act and do the things how the prussians did act that's appealing to me i think that's pretty cool and that that if we ever do choose to play it review it live stream it whatever then that would be the hook that I would go with, the direction that I would want to take to, to highlight. Um, but overall, really didn't grab me. So we'll try it. But there was nothing that I saw in the demo that I was like, oh, yeah, hey, that sounds fantastic. Now, does that mean it's a bad game? Not at all. If that's something you enjoy, by all means, please go for it. It's just co-ops. Just not not my cup of tea uh did i check out bunny kingdom yes mira i did that actually uh just the aesthetic of it it looks good at the t on the table and it looks like a pretty cool looking puzzle um so will we try that yeah i hope so uh they were sold out at the yellow booth um but hopefully we'll get a copy here in the fall and we'll check it out because that would definitely be one of those games that falls in the review this game from a heavy gamer's perspective. Uh, and I think that potentially could be really interesting to folks and, and allow us to branch out from stuff that really falls into the core of what the show is about. But look at it from a heavy gamer's perspective, which, let's face it, not many other media can do that because they don't focus on that aspect of the hobby so i think that'd be i think that'd be pretty cool come on marlin i didn't spoil it i'm not like that and and dave says if you're an ex-marine i'm not dave no such thing as ex-marines i'm just not an active duty marine you know that whole once a marine always a marine that said he said you were probably uh, into Warhammer. Nope. Never was. Magic, because you could take cards with you. That and uh, hence where my poker playing history comes from as well. Uh, Jeff asks, Edward, have you ever played Stevenson's Rocket or uh, anyone else there in the chat? Have not. Um, don't have a copy of it. I know Tony did at some point. I don't know if he still does, but if he does, that's one that we, we definitely could get to the table. And I know... It's getting reprinted because when we when I sat down with Ian O'Toole 
for the Conversations with Heavy Cardboard actually had his artwork on it. So, yeah, definitely want to check it out. Naked Hom Tanks asks, how is Time of Crisis? Did you already do a playthrough for it, or is it upcoming in the future? Well, we actually just played Time of Crisis on Saturday for the first time. It was me, Amanda, and Ash. We played uh, a three-player game of it, learned it that morning, and then I taught it, roughly, mostly out of the book, uh, to Amanda and Ash, and gotta say... The rule book is a real simple read, especially for a, a war game rule book. But honestly, for if, if you play any of the games that we talk about, then you can handle Time of Crisis 100%. Not a big rule book, not a difficult rule book at all. And it's, it's very abstracted, but let's face it, they're board games. They're all abstracted, right? So it takes place during the third century, which the Roman Empire should have fallen at, at some point during that, there was a lot of internal strife as well as a lot of uh, outside influences trying to come in and take over uh, and crush the Romans. And the game does a very good job of pitting your 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 goal, your quest, your thirst for power and to be the emperor of Rome with having to fight back all the barbarian hordes that are coming, whether it's the Franks, the Goths, the Nomads, etc., uh, etc. Et so, yeah, we were all really, really impressed with it. We played the short game, which uh, plays the 40 Legacy, which is basically 40 points. Uh, the normal game, you can play up to 60. And so it has all, all the players, whether it's 2, 3, or 4, um, trying to become Emperor of Rome and it's going to score you more victory points and you become the governor of the different uh, different areas in the Roman Empire. Really, really clever, really well done and one that everybody, all three of us that played it are really excited to get to the table again. Uh, in fact, if Amanda was feeling better tonight, uh, Ash would probably be coming over to play it again, maybe four player with Matt. Uh, however, with Amanda under the weather, that's going to have to be shelved right now so that's kind of a bummer but but yeah that's definitely one that we're going to be live streaming and it's one that we're going to be reviewing in september uh both ash and amanda are on board with that so yeah the three of us will probably sit down for a review and in a perfect world we play it four player so we'll see how that goes but yeah definitely definitely look for that uh in september Oh, Dave says, where I am, Pericles has eclipsed time of crisis in terms of popularity. That's really interesting, uh, Dave, because everything, not everything, let me rephrase that. A lot of the things that I have heard about Pericles have not been really stellar. It's not to say that that's just initial impressions. And everything that I heard at WBC, because time of crisis was everywhere all over WBC, World Board Gaming Championship, back in July... Uh, everything there was really positive. So that's really interesting. That And that's also exciting to hear that people are really digging on Pericles, at least in your neck of the woods. So that's cool. We have it downstairs. It's another that I would like to review. It is, uh, for those that don't know, it takes a similar mechanism like what's in Churchill and puts it to ancient times. And it's four-player, I believe. Um, so, yeah, that, that bodes well. But, yeah, Time of Crisis, 
we dug it from a first uh, initial uh, gameplay of it. We really enjoyed it. Rado and Edward playing together would be great table talk banter. That would be fun. We should we should try and hook that up. You guys should reach out to Rado and see if we can hook that up, whether that's at Essen or, or some other time. Um, oh, yeah, Giovanni. That's right. You're big into ships, aren't you, Giovanni? He's like CV66. Yep. My first one was the America. The second one was the TR, Theodore Roosevelt. A lot of people are sending Amanda well wishes. So good. Glad to see. The Lom Doctor says, uh, I think Glass Road is getting a reprint from Mayfair soon. For those that are interested in that, that's a fantastic thing. Jason asks, did, did I manage to see City of Big Shoulders at Gen Con? Was on my list of things to do, but the schedule didn't work out. Well, Jason, um, in, our, in my last daily diary of Gen Con, I actually mentioned that City of Big Shoulders, I played a basically half a game of it, uh, but we saw everything that happens in the game. It is, or it was, the best game that I saw, bar none, across the board at Gen Con. Uh, and it's by fair margin, honestly. I think the best way to describe it would be Arkwright meets the, the company running aspect of an 18xx. Or... A Euroized 18xx without the track. Those are two fair ways to describe it, I feel like. We actually have a prototype of it downstairs, but I'll be honest, it's not the most attractive prototype. Now, this is coming from somebody who doesn't mind winsome games. <laughs> uh, but I told Raymond that if he gets me one of the uh, better looking newer prototypes, that we might be willing to live stream it. Even though it's not going to be coming out for well over a year, I think that would do the game some some good as well as uh, I really, really was impressed by that game and really enjoyed uh, my, my early look at it. So yeah, uh, look for more kind of an in-depth look at that uh, this episode uh, on Thursday when we do the Gen Con recap and Vasco da Gama review. Uh, I'm also going to do a bit of a trailer from a, a first impression type thing uh, about City Big Shoulders in the episode Thursday. So if you're interested, check that out. Michael says, Spirit Island is heavier than it seems. I'm not arguing that the game has weight or the game is not good or, or anything like that. I'm just saying that co-ops in general fly in the face of why I play games to begin with. And... I mean, anybody that's listened to the show for any number, any amount of time knows the whole competition of decision making is what I play games for. Now, in addition to that, obviously, playing with our friends, you know, getting around the table, socializing, having a good time with people you care about or new or old friends, 
Um, and just that, uh, not to not to take it to a whatever, but fellowship, right? Obviously, that plays a part. But as far as the game itself, I want the decisions that I make. If I make consistently better decisions than you make in a game, I want that to matter and I want to win the game because I made better decisions than you did. Just like in poker. Over the long term, now in a given hand, anything can happen. You could have a one-outer, somebody hits, you outplay him perfectly. You do everything right, bad things can still happen. That's okay. But if you consistently make better decisions than your opponent, you'll end up positive EV or positive expected value, i.e. you will win, just like in the board games that I enjoy. In a co-op, it's us as a group are making decisions and we're fighting against an AI that that doesn't scratch the same itch for me. And that's why the appeal for co-ops isn't there for me. Um, and I think I can say similar for Amanda. I don't want to speak for her. Um, but that's why they're just not real popular with us. Does that mean they're not good games? Does that mean people shouldn't play them? Of course not. However, for us. And that's why I'm not arguing about Spirit Island or Pandemic Legacy or, or uh, Ghost Stories or any of these games as bad games. By no means. I, I, I can't say that. I wouldn't say that. However... It's just hard to get excited about them when they're not your cup of tea. That's all. Yeah. There you go. Crankbait asks, have you ever played Avalon Hill Civilization Advanced Civ or Mega Civ? Yep. Played it Advanced Civ and Mega Civ. Played Mega Civ as a 16 player. I think we did. At, uh, at the second HeavyCon. Uh, not this last year, but the year prior. I really enjoyed it. I, I really dig it. Uh, negotiation isn't something that I crave in a lot of games, but I can enjoy it within the, within the scope of a game. Um, a game like, uh, diplomacy, I'm not super huge on because negotiation is the entire game and I don't want that to be the only aspect. So I think that advanced Civ and mega Civ do a very good job of including that, but not making it the entire game. I would like it, like to get it to the table more. And in fact, uh, this winter, when Sweater Mike moves back, comes back for the winter for, uh, uh, comes back from Iowa, we're hoping to be able to play some five, six-player Mega Civ games on a, obviously the condensed map, and be able to play that in a game day a few times, and maybe even get that reviewed or dare I say, gasp, live stream it. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, we we enjoy them. Um, not a, not something that hits the table terribly often, but it's, it's a game that we do enjoy. We have mega Civ downstairs. We have advanced Civ. Well, we have a print and play from print and play productions that has Civ and advanced Civ. It's a, it's a custom version of it downstairs, which I've actually considered getting rid of for the simple fact that we have mega Civ. Would we ever go back to advanced Civ? I don't know. Churchill asks, uh, did I get to see Clans of Caledonia? I did not. I never saw that there, which is kind of a bummer. I wish uh, I wish I could have, but I'm sure I'll see it at Essen. And uh, yeah, definitely looking to pick up a copy there. Not, or, or, or you are an Ancient Rome fan. Uh, 
naked hom tanks. Uh, he said uh, it's been added to his wish list. Cool, good. Um, but yeah, watch the live stream when we do it and listen to the review. Maybe that'll help you make a good decision on that as well. Uh, Lum Doctor, have you tried out Kingsburg as well? Nope, never played it. There, and this is something that uh, that either is a disadvantage or an advantage. I don't know. It's just a thing that there are a lot of classic or or games that a lot of people are going to be familiar with uh, on the more casual, more uh, lighter end of the spectrum that Amanda and I have never played. Never played Catan. Never played Kingsburg. Uh, there's a ton more that all of a sudden, just like Pandemic, obviously it's a co-op. We never played it. Uh, I'm horrible at trying to think of games off the top of my head. That's why I have that list of uh, Essen games written down. But yeah, there's a number of, of well-established games that we have never never gotten around to playing and probably never will because they're not what interests us at this point in time in the hobby. Welcome, Philip. Have we played Mari Nostrum by Academy Games? Yes, we have. And I'll be honest, we had the first edition uh, with the mythology uh, expansion. Never got it to the table. That would be in that pile of shame. However, uh, we get a copy of the new version of Mari Nostrum from Academy. And for a 90-minute Civ game, that did a really good job at what it did. We really enjoyed that. Uh, that would be a pleasant surprise that, that kind of snuck up on us. Uh, and one that we'd love to live stream once we can get five players to the table and, and get... Uh, get some folks that are a little bit more experienced with the game. That would be another good one because 90 minutes for a Civ game, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, definitely enjoyed that. Mira asks, will there be another Essen heavy cardboard meetup this year? Oh yeah. Before the meetup was over that night, I had it booked again for this year. So Friday, 7 p.m. at Fritz Patrick's. We had 100 and something last year. We had booked it for 80. I have a feeling that all of Fritz Patrick's is going to be heavy cardboard elephants this year. There's going to be probably a couple hundred. Good problem to have. Uh, looking forward to that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Jake says, uh, sorry, I'm new to the channel. Really like the playthroughs and podcasts. Awesome. No need to be sorry about that, Jake. Uh, apologize if you've already answered it, but where did you get your custom poker chips? Um, actually, they are just the cheap dice chips um that tony actually got them foil stamped here locally and as part of the patron drive we are considering making those available to folks uh the heavy cardboard chips my only issue is would there be interest in people paying for shipping because poker chips ain't cheap uh, they're they're real heavy but the chips themselves not terribly expensive but the shipping on it ain't going to be cheap. So uh, y'all tell me, is that something you would like us to include during our patron drive? Um, then that's something that we will look at. So yeah, uh, just it's our logo foil stamped onto the chips. Um, if that's something that folks are interested in, then we will by all means make them available. I think that's cool. The The dice chips, they're cheap. They're they're fine for what they are for a, a everyday use poker chip. There's nothing wrong with them. 
I know I know there are some 18xxers listening right now that are cringing, but it's a fact. I mean, here in this house we have five, four or five sets of poker chips, um, and actually the heavy cardboard ones are the ones we use in the in the studio here. And Matt has his, which I don't think he's actually no he's actually on his way to work right now so he can't mention he got the his off of amazon we got some other ones uh paul chad got us a set as a gift one year so yeah we have four or five sets but honestly the the heavy cardboard ones are the ones that get the most play not because they're heavy cardboard just they're fine poker chips i do wish they had gray for 20s that's all Beverly's uh, having a conniption over uh, over the description of City of Big Shoulders. Yeah, it, I I was I was I was hella impressed with that game. There's one aspect of the game that I'm not super keen on, or that I'm not sure will work how as intended. Again, it's half a game uh, that I played, but we will talk more about that in Thursday's episode, and I'm sure Raymond will get back to me and give me feedback on that. Yeah, so if you want something uh, semi co or you want something semi co op where if the players win, there's a winning player. It sounds like yes and no, but there it's got to be done well, right? Because I know there are some games with hidden goals in which it's co op, but then oh hey look, I did my goal and I won. Um, not not necessarily like that either. So I don't I haven't played a semi co-op that I think is done extremely well. That's not to say that it doesn't exist out there. Just saying that I haven't experienced it yet. So I am I have no doubt that eventually there will be one that we enjoy. We just haven't found it yet. All right, Dan says, 18xx related question. I currently have 89, 30, 46, 2038, 1860, and kickstarted 18CZ. What would be a good title to add to these? I've been looking at 18 Ireland, 1822, and 1867. Yep, that's pretty good. Yes, I think that's fantastic. So 89. And 1830 are essentially the same game, just 89 is condensed. It's shorter, it's on a smaller map, and the 18xx that we recommend if you want an 1830 experience uh, without uh, the extended time that 1830 can take. So awesome there. 1846 is the other one that we recommend um, new players checking out. 2038, haven't played. 1860 is fantastic for two players. Uh, two or three, or even as many as four. It's definitely a, what I, I, I tend to call a a British 18xx, meaning they tend to be a little bit, some of the edges tend to be a little less softer, maybe a little less sharp elbows. Um, that also could be said for 1822. 18 Ireland, I've heard nothing but great things about, same with 67, and obviously 1822 having won the Golden Elephant Award you know our opinion on that. Another one that I would look into is now it's hard to get. 
near impossible to get, and when it is, it's not cheap. Let me preface that. 1857, two and a half hour 18xx game, because usually somebody's going bankrupt. It's designed that way. Uh, it's basically 1830 in, I think it's Argentina. Uh, very, uh, has some of the trains removed. So yeah, it's it has a extremely brutal train rush. Really good game, really hard to get. But if you can get a copy, definitely recommend it. I just don't talk about it a whole, whole lot because it's near impossible to get. So hopefully that helps. Trent Ham, uh, oh, answering his question for him. There you go. Granite Kingsburg was out of print because it was getting a second edition that pulls all the expansions into the base box and added a new expansion coming out at Essen. I'll look into it. Cool. Philip says, I'll visit Denver to be the fifth player for Mari Nostrum. All right, don't threaten. Bring it. Let's see. We, we tell folks that anytime you're, if you're coming to Denver and you want to stop by HCHQ, we welcome you to stop by and come have a game day with us. Oh, a couple people sound interested in chips. Um, and before it's asked, no, I'm not going to mule any to Essen, not muling poker chips. Sorry, guys. Will we see a playthrough of 1822 this year, Mira asks. If yes, does it mean it'll be available soon? So the reason we didn't do, we had the plans to do 1822 as a three-part live stream. We were, uh, Tony and I are going to teach it uh, a day or two prior to the live stream to where the teaching is completely separate. Then we were going to do the uh, live stream of the actual gameplay in two parts with like an hour long lunch intermission and a second live stream part two. That's still planned. The reason we haven't done it yet, honestly, is because all aboard games doesn't have boards. They ran out and then there was issues on the manufacturing end, something or other, whatever. They're not going to be available until late September. Last I heard. So we didn't want to do a live stream and we didn't want to review 1822 on the show until it was actually available for folks to be able to pick it up. Now, I get that it flies in the face of us, you know, who pride ourselves on covering out of print games and everything. However, it's a Golden Elephant Award winner, um, not an entry level 18xx granted. But for those that see that and get excited about it, we want that to be available since we know it's going to be available again in the sooner rather than later. And so we wanted to do a solid both by the viewers and listeners, but also by Scott over at All Aboard Games. And if we drive any kind of buzz around the game, we wanted to wait until it was available again since we knew it was coming. So I would say this side of Essen would be a good time to look for that. Um, when exactly, I don't know, uh, to be determined, but look for it, I would say late September, early October, maybe somewhere around then. Uh, it's gonna be coordinating schedules with, with Tony as well, um, and we'll go from there. Cool. Marlon asks, didn't enjoy CO2 from Vital Lacerda. We haven't played that in over three years, and when we played it, um, it didn't go over real well with the group we had back then. Now, does that mean that 
tastes haven't changed and things won't be different now? No, we'll try it. When the new version comes out, I'm sure we'll get a copy and we'll check it out. So I don't really want to give an opinion based on three, three and a half year old data that hasn't been revisited in my taste of, and I've grown so much as a gamer since then that it would be really hard and really unfair to give any kind of opinion uh, on it right now. So do I want to check it out, the new version? You betcha, sure. Crankbait says, uh, you've probably been asked this before. Sorry, I'm new here. You're fine. Don't sweat it. Uh, but do you have any favorite heavy solo games? So I'm still new on solo games. Uh, I, I have a number of them. And there's something that I want to be able to start live streaming, especially during the day, since I have the time now, I'll be able to do that. So... I know Travis will be able to help me from low player count, uh, direct me on, on some of these, but a lot of them tend to be war games, um, stuff like, uh, D-Day at Omaha beach. I'm excited to get to the table. Um, the upcoming Mr. President is far and away my number one, most anticipated game, uh, that's supposed to be coming out. I think it got slid to 2018 where you play as the president of the United States. Um, and that's a game actually that Amanda and I are excited to kind of co-op kind of team up to play like as a dual solo game kind of a two-headed president type thing i think that's going to be really really interesting to be able to live stream that once we get a couple games under our belt next year uh but as far as like i, I know there's mage knight and there's a bunch of others but as far as euro style um i know you can yeah there's there's a bunch, but I don't have any favorites because I haven't played a whole lot of them yet. So I uh, would like to check that out. And here's an interesting question I have for y'all. The old, I think it's Victory Games, Ambush game. Now, it's it's very narrative driven uh, because it has, it's almost like it, not a choose your own adventure, but little paragraphs that when you do something, you read a little paragraph. I wonder if that would make for an interesting live stream or not at all. I don't know. Huh. Anyway, y'all can tell me. Will we mu <laughs> will we mule 1822 for folks over to Essen? Uh, and I, I've said this before that last year we muled over, I don't know, like eight 18XX games for folks because they're heavy and expensive to ship from the States when we went to Essen. We're going to do something similar to that this year. We don't know how much space we're going to have yet, obviously, but a month ahead of Essen, we're going to open that up to our patrons um, and ask folks, hey, if there's a game or two, maybe, maybe only a game that they want us to mule, we'll see what we can work out for our patrons. Seems like a nice way to give back to them that give to us like that. So that's something that we're going to definitely look into and want to offer for folks. In addition to that, we are going to offer one or two. We don't know how many yet. During our patron drive in a couple of weeks, we are going to offer a mule service for folks in theory here in the States that can't attend Essen, that we will be your personal shoppers for stuff at Essen. 
oh, you want us to pick up these six games? Cool, you're going to pay for it, but we will pick these up for you and bring them back. So something like that, but that's, you didn't ask, but I figure it's kind of similar. So, yeah. Have we ever tried Duel of Ages 2? We've played it once. Now, this is, we first went to Gen Con 2012, 2013. I can't remember which year it was. It was whatever year that Duel of Ages 2 came out. Uh, cool Stuff, Inc. had a bunch of copies in their store because they have a massive booth at uh, at Gen Con. And uh, Tom Vassell was talking it up like, oh, it's the it's the end of all great things. It's amazing. It's phenomenal. Da, 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 da. And I got super jazzed about it. And so on Sunday... They had when they slashed prices on everything that they still had there in the store. We were able to pick up the base and and uh, expansion for Duel of Ages two, and we took it home, sleeved it all up, played it once. It's I've heard it described as ASL or for fantasy gamers, and it it's it's actually it's a very cool concept, and it's one that we enjoyed. We just haven't made the time to get it back to the table. So, so yeah, played it once, but still have it and would like to get it to the table again. Did we see Agra uh, or Merlin at Gen Con? Casey asks. Yes, saw them both. Uh, Agra, actually, um, Paul at Quinta Games was nice enough when I did the Periscope video of my walkthrough on Wednesday, he was nice enough to do a quick unboxing of the prototype. And apparently the prototype's going to be get getting sent here uh, on its next stop. So looking forward to that. Looked pretty cool. The market, uh, little assembled, slanted, 3D looking thing looked pretty cool. Um, we'll see how the gameplay is. Uh, he ran me through a very quick five-minute overview of it. Uh, that's all I really had time for. Looked looked decent, so looking forward to that. Uh, saw Merlin as well. <laughs> uh, when I went to the Queen Games booth, I, I was asking some folks that were playing it there, and I saw Sean from Dukes of Dice. He was playing it and and getting impressions from different people, and they were like, "Yeah, it's 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 pretty good, I think." Um, so first impressions, you know, they, they weren't super, oh my God, it's amazing, but they also weren't, oof. So somewhere in the middle, will we check it out? Sure, absolutely. Um, there are a number of Steffenfeld games that we still enjoy. They tend to be older ones. Doesn't mean, kind of like, uh, kind of like Uwe Rosenberg. That doesn't mean that we're not going to be surprised by one of the newer ones. So we'll see. We're always willing to give them a try, but we're not always excited about them. If that makes sense, you can still be like, yeah, I'll check it out without being excited slash really high on the anticipation, right? Dan Squire says, regarding all aboard games board situation, thoughts on mounted versus laminated? Personally, I like mounted boards. Um, the laminated, you don't necessarily need plexi, uh, but I just I, I prefer a mounted board. Whether it's a war game, whether it's a euro, whether it's an eighteen XX, I just prefer mounted boards. Uh, 
here's a cool little trick though. If you have, uh, say, any any game that isn't one piece, isn't a one piece map, whether it's laminated, whether it's just cardstock, whether it's a war game, or even the mounted boards for something like 1822, which you can do, you can get a couple of post-its and peel them off, right? To where it's a single post-it and put the post-it note as kind of like a, a, a piece of tape between the two board sides on the back. And it's super temporary. You take it off when you're done playing, but it keeps the boards from being shifting while you're playing. So that was a cool little trick that uh, Paul Chad showed me a while back that I just forgot to ever mention. Might seem obvious to some of y'all out there like, yeah, obviously that duh, that's what we do. It was news to me. I thought it was really clever. So I imagine there's got to be at least one of y'all out there that be like, oh, wow. Hey, that's helpful. Thanks. So there's that. Dan Blunt asks, what's my favorite 18xx right now? 1822. Still, it is. Haven't played 18 Ireland uh, or 18 Cleveland. Both uh, I've heard positive things about. Really want to in 1867, like we had talked about earlier. I uh, really want to try 18 Ireland, um, but 1822, would I would have to say, is my favorite. Uh, 1857 for a school night game because two and a half hours, boom, done. And Dan says, uh, regarding ambush, might be okay, assuming people are okay with spoilers. It's, what, a 40-year-old game? I think it's okay to drop a spoiler on one of the missions. I think that's okay for ambush. I think that'd be cool, right? Yeah, uh, regarding Merlin, um, it did have, I was told that the dice are somewhat mitigatable, uh, but there is some that you can still end up in some really bad positions. Uh, this came from one of the people demoing at uh, the booth there. So, like I said, we'll check it out. Am I super excited about it? No. Could it, could it surprise? Absolutely. Mira says, we almost got Pacific Typhoon on the table on Saturday, but opted for Noya Heimat instead. Can't really argue with that, Mira. I think that's a that's an excellent choice. <laughs> really enjoyed it a lot and hope to get the reprint. Do you know when the reprint will release? I want to say uh, it was either Origins or Gen Con is when Clay at Capstone slash Simply Complex uh, is going to be coming out with Noya Heimat. Um, I Origins or Gen Con, I think, next year. So, one of those. Uh, really excited, though, to, for that. It's not going to be nearly as popular as The Climbers. The Climbers has universal appeal, right? Whether you're a heavy gamer or whether you're a non-gamer. You could play that with your with your grandparents, you know, with eight-year-old kids. That uh, runs the gamut. Coworkers that, that aren't gamers, you could bring it into work one day and have a lunch game and that would be amazing and it would get folks hooked because it looks like a kid's game and it can be as devious as you want it to be so the climbers universal appeal across the board Noya Heimat a lot less so because it's so mean it can be such a brutal auction game that I don't think it's going to be it's just not going to have the appeal now does that lessen the game by no means Noya Heimat is unbelievably good however i shouldn't say um it's remarkably good i think that's a
better way to word that. Uh, but yeah, just it's not going to have the print run size, I imagine, that that uh, the climbers is going to end up having. Any thoughts on sidereal confluence? Huh? Look at that. Look who knows how to pronounce it now. Huh? Huh? Uh, so thoughts on it. Yes, I'm very excited about it. Uh, I know it's heavy on negotiation. Um, that will go over well with some folks in our group and less so with some folks in our group. It's actually in route right now. Uh, it should be here this week. And I'm just, I'm looking forward to checking it out because I've had so many people tell me, hey, you have got to check out this game. And so we are going to check out this game. So looking forward to it. So haven't gotten it yet soon. Number of days. Hey, Rob made it. Hi, Rob. Apparently it's at the end of his shift, so he has made it home. Hopefully it was a good work day, Rob. Beverly says 40 years is definitely an acceptable length of time after which to stop calling any relevant information a spoiler. That's what I'm saying, right? I think if we if we drop some spoilers in in an ambush uh, playthrough, I think we can be forgiven at this point. I think that's okay. Uh, Kabuki Kid says, "What is the most Ameritrashy game that we enjoy?" Whew. Ameritrashy game that we enjoy. I hope the answer is Forbidden Stars. Uh, we have a number of them actually downstairs. So I'm going to forget some because, again, I'm horrible at this. But some of the Ameritrashy games that we have. We have Horus Heresy. We have Claustrophobia. Uh, Duel of Ages 2. Maybe could be Ameritrashy. Could be Wargamey. Not sure. Um, Forbidden Stars. And some others that I can't think of. Uh, favorite one, though. Yeah, I don't know. That's really a good question. Um, I don't know that there's any that I would consider a favorite. Now, some of those we haven't played. Keep that in mind. But like a game like Arkham Horror. Didn't enjoy that at all. Um, I know it's terrible, but I can't really think of anything that, like, that would be considered a favorite. I will say that Forbidden Stars sounds and when we when we played through our learning game pretty cool ideas there uh so looking forward to that and the live stream is coming once i hear from dan trying to get into contact with him he's been out of pocket for a while so um yeah that's the best i got sorry i know it's not a great answer kabuki kid sorry about that noia Hymet was played after indonesia that's that pretty solid game day right there uh giovanni all right so a couple more questions that some patrons had asked here uh over the course of all the ask the elephants any questions that i haven't been asked that i wish i'd been asked that's a really good question really hard question actually um the two that i came up with now i'm not sure that these are the the end all be all but the two questions are What's my favorite part of creating slash hosting heavy cardboard? That would be one question. Um, I suppose I could answer that. Yeah, I suppose I could answer it. Answer my own Ask the Elephant question. 
Sure. Uh, favorite part of creating slash hosting heavy cardboard. So it's not just one thing. It's, it's a number of things. Uh, in no particular order, it's meeting people. So whenever we go to conventions, I'm pretty blown away meeting all the, all the listeners and viewers that come up to the various booths that we're at. Uh, it's still pretty surreal to me that here y'all watching live or whether it's after the fact or whatever, that we literally are on six continents and people enjoy the stuff that we create. Uh, that's, that's humbling and it's really cool at the same time. And to know that Hanoi, Vietnam in, uh, UAE in South Africa, all over Europe, in South America, that's just, I, I, that's crazy to me. Right. Um, so meeting, meeting folks, I think is probably one of the coolest aspects of this. Another thing that I really enjoy is seeing the community that's grown up around the show, uh, that it's kind of like the, the show has become a meeting place for people, whether it's patrons on the Slack channel or whether it's on the guild on BGG or whether it's just interacting with various people that we normally wouldn't have any interaction with if it wasn't for social media, uh, or BGG or even Reddit or Facebook um, or any of those things and seeing all these like-minded people, people that have a common, a commonality that they share with these heavier games and that didn't necessarily have a way to come together that using heavy cardboard as that conduit to get together, whether it's the, the, uh, the Netherlands, the, the Dutch heavy cardboard game day, uh, these folks that, that normally even though they're in the same country, uh, normally wouldn't have a game day together and now have a game day together, you know, once a month or so. How is that not awesome? Right? So, so yeah, that, and it's, and I have fun doing this. Now, is it stressful at times? You betcha. Absolutely. Is it, is it worth it? Uh, I think so. And last but not least, I would say the other really awesome aspect of this is mattering to people. Like what we do matters, I feel like. Now, in the end, it's just games. I get that. I mean, this isn't life or death. However, uh, especially on the podcast or in these type situations, Amanda and I are able to, and everybody else that joins us on the streams, whether it's Matt or Ash or Sweater Mike or Brian or any of the any of the folks, that we're able to give insight into who we are, that we're not just reviewers, we're not just whatever, we are real people behind the microphone or behind the camera or any of those things. And to be able to talk about some real life stuff, whether it's us going through the weight loss journey that I went through and am now maintaining and Amanda is still is still working through or whether it's her her mental um, Amanda's mental illness with her BPD or any of these things that we're able to connect with 
more often than not, I would say our listeners on the podcast, because that's where we tend to be. Uh, we, we talk about these things more often than on the live streams or anything like that. And that really seems to be right now. There are some people that really do not like that aspect of the show at all. And that's okay. But it's not going to stop because both Amanda and I crave that kind of connection with our listeners. And to be able to have that connection and to be able to some of the emails that we have gotten or communication, whether it's handwritten letters or or other communication that we've gotten from people that we've had real life impact on them, not just for their gaming for the hobby, but how some folks have taken it upon themselves to change their life uh, and lose weight. Um, because of me and Amanda going through and talking about our struggles through all of that, or whether it's Amanda being open about her mental illness and helping other folks see that they shouldn't be ashamed or, or embarrassed or any of those things and having people react to that and having them tell you that the things that you do and the things that you say have real impact in their lives, in their day-to-day real life lives, not just board games, dude, I mean, that's the ultimate, right? I mean, yeah, so it's kind of a mix of all those things. And like I said, plus it's really fun to do this. And it's real stressful, but I'll be honest, I, I, I thrive on some of this stress and I hope it continues. I hope we do this for a very, very long time going forward. Um, so thanks to all y'all that, that watch the show and that listen to the show uh, and that, that interact with us and help enrich our lives, uh, both board gaming and otherwise, because without y'all, why the hell are we hitting publish, right? So... So yeah, that's kind of a long answer to favorite parts, parts, plural, of creating slash hosting heavy cardboard. All right. So the other one uh, was if someone wanted to start a podcast, what would I tell them? We've been asked that on occasion, like on Twitter or whatever, but you know, it's Twitter, 140 characters. So it's really hard to get an in-depth answer. As Rodney Smith likes to tell me, don't don't try and get involved in any in-depth uh, uh, discussions on Twitter. Not a good medium for that. And in that respect, he's right. <laughs> um, but if someone wanted to start a podcast, what would I tell them? Uh, first and foremost, find something you're passionate about. Some aspect of the hobby, number one. Number two, find something, do something original. Whatever it is, do something original. And number three, make sure it's fun because number four, it's a whole hell of a lot more work than you ever imagine it would be. Um, so be prepared for that. And ultimately the quality of the, of the medium, whether it's really nice microphones or good cameras or any of that doesn't matter nearly as much as you think it does. Um, yes. Does it help? You betcha. Does it is that the number one thing? Nope. Content trumps everything. If you're making good, interesting, compelling content that people want to hear, they will find you. Uh, yeah. So that's what I would tell folks. Just be prepared for a lot more work, especially when it comes to editing. 
Um, God bless what Tony used to do and what Amanda now does. She's taken it to a whole new level. Uh, this show would not exist without them putting in the amount of work that they did editing this show. Because I sure as hell wouldn't be willing to do it. Because it's it's beyond my skill level. And it's, it's something that Amanda's very good at and thrives on. She enjoys. Unless she's up against a deadline, then maybe it's a little less enjoyable. Uh, but other than that, it's, it's a ton of work. Um, anybody that does podcasts or YouTube channels will tell you. It's a lot more than, oh, I have an iPhone and I have OBS or XSplit. I'll live stream something. Hmm, a little bit more goes into that. I uh, One of the things that we're going to do during the Patreon Drive month is a, a series of behind-the-scene videos and stuff. And I think I think folks would be interested to see, like, day in the life, what it's like. So that would be cool. So those are a couple of the questions that nobody's ever asked me on Ask the Elephant that I wish they had. I guess that Bev asked those. So anyway, yeah, so there's that. All right. So let me catch back up now with the chat. Oh, and, and, and then after Indonesia and Noya Heimat, they finished with Age, Age, ugh, Age of Steam. That's a strong game day, man. Well done. Drive safe, Rob. Jeremy says, Forbidden Stars has been on his wish list for a long time. I promise as soon as we touch base with Dan and we find out his schedule, we will get it on the schedule to be live streamed. Uh, Kabuki Kid, did you did you travel to the Path of Totality for the Eclipse? Not sure how far we were from it. Um, it did not. We were about three hours outside of it. I think we had something like 93, 95% totality. Um that was really weird. So Asher and I were home alone for the uh, for the uh, eclipse, and I thought, you know what, the best time to watch it was from like like ten forty five to eleven, or maybe it was eleven forty five to twelve local time. So I was like, you know what, how about we just go for a walk? So at about eleven thirty five or ten thirty five, whatever it was, we went for a very very long walk. It was nice and cool because obviously. It was blocking the sun, so the temperature dropped a little bit, which I, seems obvious that that would happen, but didn't occur to me. Um, so we went for a long walk. Asher had zero cares. Just never. I, I was a little worried, make sure he didn't look up. or No, he couldn't care less. Uh, and saw some of our neighbors and everything uh, watching it and everything. Had one guy out there with a telescope and some filters taking pictures. But... Uh, just the like the the color of the world was so strange and it was it was like some kind of a bad dream that it, it just it was really weird which i'm sure other folks can can relate to so that that was cool to experience um apparently they they shut down amanda's work for an hour and they she works for she's a medical biller for a, a uh i doc so they had, you know, glasses. So she was able to watch it and everything. That was, that was really cool. I'm glad uh, that she got a chance to see that too. So that was cool. Uh, Kabuki kid, what are your, some of your standard food, snack, drink rules at the gaming table? Well, uh, here in the studio, uh, no drinks anywhere near the table. Although we do have, 
right um, here. We have uh, cup holders, right? So we have six of those. Wait, uh, two, four, six. We have eight cup holders around the table. We also have some of these side tables that we use uh, also for the game room downstairs. Um, everybody uses coasters. We have these game uh, cover coasters that we made. Uh, they're like mouse pad material, but with games on them that we enjoy. So uh, somebody earlier had asked about uh, Brussels, 1893, made a coaster out of that, out of the box lid and stuff. Uh, Arts Cow or one of those sites when they have a like a five for a dollar or three for a dollar ones, we just get a bunch made. So everybody uses coasters um, unless they use the cup holders and just don't put it on the table. That's it. And same with uh, downstairs, even though those aren't... Um, custom board game tables they're just like dining room tables we have four of them downstairs um use the side tables no drinks are allowed on the table number one and number two all the drinks that we have unless they're like water glasses or whatever mason jars in my case usually is what i'm drinking out of for water uh, unless it's something like that all the sodas or uh like powerade zeros or gatorade zeros or any of those things g2 stuff um everything we buy has lids you guys have met Amanda, right? And Matt and Dana and most of our friends. So yeah, everything has lids. As far as rules for food, be respectful. That's it. We're all adults. We don't have a problem with that. Um, and as far as like favorite snacks, like we have the uh, those little peanut butter filled pretzels. Those are pretty good. Uh, a lot of A lot of fresh fruit, a lot of veggies. And then usually what we'll do is in the middle of game day, after the first game, we'll stop and all I will have made food for everybody at game day. We stop, we have lunch together upstairs at the dining room table. We hang out, whatever, have lunch and then go back downstairs and finish gaming for the day. So that's kind of our MO for a typical game day. And it ranges anywhere from just, you know, the three of us here at the house, whether it's me, Amanda and Matt or up to like 15 folks. All depends on time of year and everything. Obviously, summer tends to be slower. Oh, cool. Crankbait says, okay, I, I just jumped on board with a P500, Mr. President, and Hitler's Reich. Nice. Uh, the Dutch Heavy Cardboard Game Day seems to have taken off. That's pretty cool. Has uh, Jeroen from Splatter ever made it up there for a game day, uh, guys? Um, Marlon, Giovanni, uh, Mira, all fellow elephant patron folk, um, they're all in chat here. So that's, that's awesome to see. I think that's really, really cool. Uh, catching up with chat. Give me a second here. <laughs> no. Philip says, I'm also working on the weight thing today and family mental health issues. Really grateful for you guys sharing your lives. You make it real. It's the only way we know how to be. Um, this is this is what we want out of the show as well. So I'm glad to hear that that resonates with more people than it doesn't. Um, if that ever became a limiting factor of the show, like that keeps us from growing, then you know what? So be it. Uh, this is... It's our show and this is how we want it to be and we want that connection. So I'm just very glad that, I mean, cause it's scary, right? When you're putting some of this stuff out there. Uh, but you know what? 
being real and being honest and being forthright is the only way that we know how to be. So why would we not be that way on the show? Doesn't make sense. And honestly, the only difference between the podcast and a given normal game day or us sitting here like this is I tend to cuss a lot more in, in real life, in, in person. Um, I'm a Marine. It's a bad habit. I know. I'm just glad it resonates with folks. That makes me happy to hear. And we know it does. I mean, we, we've gotten plenty of feedback from folks and I mean, we, we, every email that we get, every letter or card or post, uh, uh, postcard or any, we keep all this stuff and we read every single thing because if somebody's going to take the time to reach out to us, it would be disrespectful not to, right? And it doesn't make sense. Now, sometimes I'm a little slow on the email. Granted, a lot better now that I'm caught up on emails. Uh, but outside of that, um, yeah, we read every single thing, whether it's a iTunes review, uh, every, every, every time somebody says something on Twitter and tags us in it or on Facebook and tags us stuff that, you know, we're aware of, um, or on BGG or Reddit or any of those things. Um, like I said, or emails or letters, we absolutely, we have a folder that we keep that has all this stuff in it that we print off and it helps keep us grounded and humble and, and at the same time, there are tough days, right? Where you get frustrated. Hey, the show's not growing as much as you want or wow, I really thought that this playthrough or this review would be would resonate more or more people would enjoy it or this interview or whatever. And there are days that you can get lost in your own head. And that's where this stuff comes in, man. It helps reassure that, you know what? Stop getting lost in your head and stop worrying about the day-to-day -day stuff and look at the big picture that it people are, people do care. And it makes it easier to get through those really hard days because we're human, right? It happens. Anyway, Lom Doctor says, uh, I do like hearing about the real life stuff from content creators. Hate how entitled some people get when it comes to certain creators needing to take time off or having a against the grain opinion. All right. So let's talk about that for a minute. So it, yeah, it's, it's hard. It, it's real easy on the internet to, you know, be anonymous and say, things and have no repercussions and not think that what you say matters, but you take a look at what all went down with Rado and Reddit and all that. Now I can't speak for Rado. I can't speak for Richard on a lot of people were up in arms about the whole, uh, clank in space. Like he quit over that. I, my guess, this is my opinion and nothing else more than that. I have no insider info, no nothing. My guess is it had very little to do with that and it had a whole lot to do with a lot of little things adding up and getting to the point to where, you know what, can't take it anymore. And I can understand that because whether it's us, whether it's Rado, whether it's Vassal, whether it's the man versus meeple, whether it's Punchy, whoever, doesn't matter. Everybody takes heat at some point 
um, whether you have a opinion that some people just really don't like, like, Hey, if I don't like a game, like we, we caught hell over our scythe review. Uh, we didn't say it was a bad game. We just said, look, these are the reasons we're not super keen on it. And we gave what we thought were valid criticism. We're not saying that you shouldn't like the game. We're just saying it wasn't a good match for us. And this is why. However, some people, if you don't like a game, then anything you say about it, you're attacking it. And like, like somehow this is affecting their enjoyment of the game. Doesn't make sense to me. However, some people, like we're guilty of, you get lost in your own head and you lose sight of the forest through the trees. And people say things that maybe they wouldn't say if we were in person. Uh, and it can be hard for sure at times. Uh, so I imagine that, and again, my opinion that Rado, it wasn't that, that that was just the straw that broke the camel's back. It was probably a bunch of things leading up to that, that stuff, man, there are certain aspects of the internet that can be really harsh, especially to media folk. Um, now, does that require you to get thick skin in some respects? Sure. And we all learn as we go along in this that you let some things roll off. You know, you just water off a duck's back. But at the same time, you're human, man. Some of this stuff really affects you. Should it? Yeah, maybe not. But some of the stuff that's said can hurt. It, it, it can really bug you. And... You put on a brave face, you do all this stuff, but sometimes it gets the better of you. Now, I'm fortunate in that I have a few avenues in which I can vent. <laughs> I hear uh, Herm Edwards a lot in my head whenever I, I come across these things that are less than ideal. Uh, you write whatever you want to write. Say whatever you want to say. Don't hit sin. Don't hit sin. That's it. And I am grateful that I have a select group of very close friends that I can vent to uh, privately and unload. And this way I can not say them publicly uh, because sometimes you, you just don't get the luxury of being able to do that. And it's the, the price you pay if you care about building what it is that you're building. And so it's kind of a bummer that there are certain aspects or certain things that we are not capable of talking about publicly in a open environment um, that I'm just grateful that we have an outlet for that. Not everybody does. And I imagine that probably played a part in all that. Now, do I know? Nope. But that's my best guess. And I can say this as somebody who's had to go through that, whether that's Wherever that is on the internet. Let's put it that way. So hopefully, uh, yeah, kind of tangent. Sorry about that, guys. Coasters are a cool idea. Been thinking about it. Didn't get to it yet. Yeah, it's, it's, we like them. I mean, we have, like I said, showed those. There's Democker. We have heavy cardboard ones. Um, yeah, pretty cool idea. Appreciate that, Rob. He says, uh, just want to say the personal aspects really do resonate and, and are touching. So thank you. Uh, do you watch Game of Thrones? Did you catch the season ender? I did, Kabuki Kid. Um, and I actually talked about it on here. 
and the part that really surprised me. Now, I muted the mic for that, but I did talk about it. <laughs> what kind of animal would spoil that the day after? Don't do that. Don't be that person. Seriously, don't do that. Appreciate that, Philip. Uh, Vala says, hi, longtime Larker. Really hoping to attend the next heavy con. I have two questions if possible. All right, shoot. Now I have to scroll. I have to wait for him. Oh, apparently I, I don't know where they are. So we'll see if we get to them. Let's see. Uh, yeah. And, and just to be clear, what I was talking about there with Rado is he quit Reddit. He deleted his account there, which, um, and really, I, I think that's why I don't think it had to do with the pushback from the, the clank in space thing. I think it was, that was just the final straw. And I, I think a lot of people don't realize that it can't be, they don't realize that it's an accumulation of things. A lot of, a death of a thousand cuts, right? That type thing. We're human, man. A lot of people forget that sometimes. And I, I'm curious for uh, Kabuki Kid. Here, Here's a question for you. Since I know you, I think you're a moderator over there on the Dice Tower. Um, I mean... Tom has to deal with this uh, as much as anybody, if not more, being as big of a following as he has. It's, dude, it's, there, there is some serious vitriol, vitriol that uh, gets spit out there. And I try and come to the defense of fellow media folk, whether I agree with the media folk or not, or whether or not um, we're friends, which Tom and I are friendly to one another. We, we get along well. Just wait for the Vasco da Gama playthrough. Can't wait. Uh, but I stand up for them that when, you know, when people just, man, uh, anyway, let, let's change the subject. All right. What's the best way to attend HeavyCon? Vala asks. All right, here we go. Uh, more importantly, you guys play a lot of heavy games. Many of these are borderline lifestyle games, Splatter in particular. All right, so first off, let's let's tackle the first one. And Rob or Bev, if you're still around, you guys can link to it down in the chat. Heavycardboard.com forward slash heavycon. If you go on there, there is a film, to, uh, a, a form to fill out. You enter your info, you send it in. Now, last year, this past uh, Memorial Day weekend, which is last weekend in uh, May, which is when heavycon is every year, we had 94 attendees. It's intentionally kept artificially small uh, for two reasons. One, we like the cozy family type feeling to where you know everybody or everyone. It's just a small, close-knit group. So we do that on purpose for that reason, number one. And number two, um, I don't want to run a convention. I don't want to have to wonder, are we going to get 200 or are we going to get 500 and then worry about space? So that's why it's invite only. That said, this year we're going to grow to about 125, 130 folks. Now, uh, is everybody who is interested in attending going to be able to attend uh, via invitation? The answer is no. We're just not going to have enough spots. Does that mean that you're not going to be able to get in the following year? No, not necessarily. Um, most of the people that attend, the I would say 90, I think we did the math. It was like 97% retention of people that come, come every year. Now, uh, is there are always people that 
can't make it for one reason or another and we'll fill their spots, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, heavycardboard.com forward slash heavycon. Fill that out. The other So three rules for attending heavycon. Fill out the form, number one. Number two, interact with us throughout the year so we can get a feel for you, right? And number three, don't be a dick. That's it. That's be a pleasant person to be around. That's it. Those are the three rules. Not not hard. Not hard at all. So there's that. Um All right. The second question Bala had was uh, many of the games that you guys play border on lifestyle games, uh, you guys feel you've only scratched the surface of the depth in a game like brass or food chain magnet. If so, how does that affect your representation of it? And lastly, I a hundred percent agree with your re re review of scythe. The big thing that caught that, that we caught hell about with scythe was there is such a thing as too polished a game to where a game loses all its character because it's just too smooth in our opinion. So, yeah, people are like, wait, it's too polished? Yeah, I think so. Anyway, um, how does that affect our representation of it? All right, so on that note, here's... It's impossible to get dozens and dozens of plays of a game before we review it, right? Usually. Now, I have a couple dozen plays of Dominant Species, so when we review that, I feel like I'll be able to give a little bit different perspective on something like that. Whereas when we did Food Chain, I want to say we had half a dozen, eight, maybe, um, uh, get plays of the game in it. Now, that doesn't mean we can't go back and revisit games down the road, which we haven't been real good about doing, but we're going to... Uh, give me one second, guys. All better. Had to shut the door to the studio. Helps keep it cooler in here. Anyway, um, I don't think it's reasonable to expect any reviewer to have played a game dozens of times for a review. However, I do feel like, especially with the games that we play, that we have a responsibility to have played it you know, four, six, seven, eight times, however many we're able to. Like, take, for instance, Vasco da Gama. We'll have five get plays of it before we review it. That's pretty close to the minimum that we'll do. And the reason is, is A, some of these games that we play, it's hard to get the rules right. The first couple plays, it's entirely possible you play one or two major rules wrong. We're human. It happens. So we play it multiple times for that. Also... Like what Vala is talking about, we don't want to give a just cursory look at the depth of the game. And I feel like it's important to be able to speak to the depth in with some context and with some experience to be able to make sense of what it is that the game is trying to offer. And so I would love to be able to have a game to where you have dozens of plays of it. It's just not feasible. So how does that color our, our representation of it? Well, when we present our opinions and we present the why of things, we also give you context. Hey, we've played this five times. 
We've played it over this player count. So we leave it up to you to make your own determination on that. Now, we go back and we revisit and you add another half dozen plays. Does that change it? Well, that's stuff that we'll cover when we talk about revisiting games. So hopefully that helps. And hopefully that answers that question. All right, let's see. Yeah, Kabuki Kids says that, yeah, uh, Tom, meaning Vassal, knows when to avoid responding to certain posts. I'm still learning. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a minefield out there, man. Woo! Cool. Thank you, Brad, Rob, <laughs> Bev, ever, everybody for putting the links in. Appreciate that. Sorry, still getting over being sick. <laughs> a lot of people have, have an issue with that last rule, apparently. Uh, that's pretty funny as far as getting invited to HeavyCon. It's really not hard. Uh, best answer I ever heard for how many plays are necessary for a review is as many as it takes. I think that's fair. We have, we do have a set number. We try and play a game at least four times before we are, before we review it. And the reason we have a set number as opposed to say somebody like Tom or Rado or any of these other people out there is because of the games that we focus on tend to be heavier than what the majority of other reviewers and media focus on. We can't give an informed opinion without having played this game a number of times because they tend to, the, the depth, you have to explore the depth to be able to give context and to be able to not sound ignorant. That's my biggest fear, I think. Whenever we do a review, I don't really fear pushback because people disagree with our opinions. I fear coming across as ignorant and, oh, well, you really don't know what you're talking about because you obviously didn't play this enough to do X, Y, or Z. And that actually touches on why we haven't hit on a lot of war games is because I am deathly terrified of coming across as an ignorant idiot that's stepping out of his depth and talking about things that he shouldn't be talking about that he doesn't really know about. So that's why we have a minimum now. Cave versus cave, Caverna, cave versus cave, the, the small little two-player game, is that going to require half a dozen plays before we could review it? I don't think so. So obviously, the game itself dictates that. But I do think that, that for us and for the games that we tend to feature, it makes a lot of sense. Like, I couldn't imagine reviewing a game like Pax Renaissance or an infamous Traffic after two plays. I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm just saying I couldn't do that. So there's that. Vala says, I can abide by those three rules. Listen to all your podcasts now, and I don't expect anyone to have played any four-hour game dozens of times. However, your opinion could vastly change after 30 or 50 plays. A hundred percent agree with that. However... That's why we give the context in our reviews of how many plays so that you 
Okay, so take for instance, let's say you're somebody that has played Food Chain Magnet or Brass online and you have hundreds of plays. You're obviously going to have a whole lot different view of it than me at half a dozen. However, if I tell you it's after ha half a dozen, be like, oh yeah, well maybe they just haven't gotten far enough along to where this morphs into this and they see these things, which again, it's all about context, which I think is really, really important. Uh, being a reviewer and trying to be a professional reviewer at that and, and give a very, I struggle for thinking of the real, uh, uh, this is why editing on the podcast is so important. So I can struggle with this, uh, trying to think of the right word, uh, and it not sound like I'm struggling for it. Gah, this is frustrating. Can't think of the right word. Dissect in our reviews or analyze or, or trying to be a little bit more in depth than an overview, which a number of reviews out there are not saying those are bad just saying that's not at that's not the that's not what we're trying to provide oh yay got a new patron thank you somebody um yeah it is kind of crooked isn't it it's kind of sloping the 333 my bad that's sorry I'll change it to 3.34 for tomorrow's live stream. Reading here, catching up. I read slow. Sorry, guys. Randall says, been interested in trying a block war game, but wondering if, uh, if you, uh, if we're going to do, if we're going to do a playthrough of one, we absolutely are. We, we think we've come up with a couple ideas on how to do it because all right, so check this out. Here's a little behind the scenes thing. So for those that have seen our playthroughs, which I imagine most watching will have seen at least one of them. If you're listening on the podcast, maybe not. And maybe that's not your thing. Maybe that's something you do want to check out. We pride ourselves of y'all never seen a camera. Y'all never see a tripod. Y'all never see microphones outside of something like this. This is this is how we have it set up for when we do our podcast. And I think this gives kind of a cool aesthetic here, seeing the arms that we have our mics on, seeing the mics and all that. But when we do the live streams, you guys don't see any of that. And that's 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 a thing that I I feel like gives it a little bit of spit and polish that I want to provide for the viewer. Plus it makes it a little bit more, you know, it's that movie magic stuff, right? I don't want to remove that illusion of wow factor, whatever. So that's why you guys never see cameras. You guys never see tripods. You never see anything like that. With the block war game, it's real difficult. All right. So as y'all are watching me right here, you guys are kind of at an angle over to my left side right there which is the normal angle whenever we do our live streams for the people. And then there's another camera from this way that gets the other side of the table. Then we have the two cameras up above, one for my tableau and one for the main table camera. However, for a block war game, you absolutely have to be able to have a camera over here somehow to be able to view one side of the blocks. So like playing from my point of view, 
We think we have a way to be able to manipulate that to where you guys won't be able to see anything uh, outside of the stuff that we want you to see. So we're trying to manipulate that and trying to figure that out. So provided we have that done in a, in a good way and we, we figure out that puzzle, then look for that, uh, at least one of them, whether it's Sekigahara, Hammer of the Scots, something like that, uh, this side of Essen. So, cool. There you go. Skywolf says the the Patreon count, the 138 box, should be on a, uh, on a digital screen auto-updating. A little bit less analog, but cooler nonetheless. Let's just say during our patron drive, we have plans for things. Uh, Vala says, thank you for the candid responses. I do hold your content in high regard, so I'm often quite critical in my head when listening in the car. Uh, I will be patroning for the Slack channel soon. Uh, become a patron. We appreciate that, Vala, very much. Thank you. And, and yeah, and I'm okay with if you have you know, 80, 90 plays of a game and some of the things that we say don't resonate real well coming from half a dozen plays. That makes total sense, right? Whereas somebody who's just played dominant species a couple of times, I'm going to have a different opinion or different take on certain things. And I use dominant species because I've played that of any of the big games. I played that more than anything else. It's all about your your experience in your context. So that makes sense. I'm okay with that. But the onus is on us as the reviewers to make sure that we give you, we provide that context so that you can, if you're going to be critical, at least you understand, oh, well, they only have half a dozen plays of it. That's why they think X, Y, or Z possibly. Fair enough. And that's why we also don't speak to long-term replayability past what we can see, meaning, is this game going to live up to 80, 90 plays? It's hard to say that after six, right? Triumph and Tragedy would be real tough because it, with that being three sides, and yeah, eventually though, we will get there, Kabuki Kid. Randall says the studio looks good. I appreciate it. It's not as nice as I want it to, but we're getting there. We'll get there. All right, Randall, we'll see you on Saturday at uh, at Beacon. Cool. Uh-oh, Giovanni says he's writing down everything you're going to do this side of Essen. Boy, you're going to be one busy Marine. Yeah. Well, these are the plans. These are goals. Ask the guy who's constantly hounding us about, but he's been patient about forbidden stars. Doesn't always work out how we plan it. Like we have uh, everything through September already mapped out. Now, does it work out that way? Amanda's sick. I got sick last week. It impacts things. We'll see how life goes, but it, at least it gives us a, 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 uh, a plan to be able to work towards and then adjust as necessary. One thing I am curious about, and I've never asked other uh, media people, um, content creators. I just don't like that term. We're media. I mean, that's what we do, right? I, I, yes, we make content. I just don't like the term. So I use media. Anyway, you know, whether it's Tom, whether it's uh, Eric Rado, 
man versus meeple, any of these people. I'm curious how far out they plan everything. We try and plan out two months. Try. Doesn't always work out, but try. So. All right. A couple more questions here that uh, some patrons had asked. I'm having fun. Hopefully you guys are. And looking at uh, how many are watching, it seems you guys are sticking around. So hopefully I've made the last couple hours a little bit better at work. It's coming up on noon here. Strategy for attracting Omni gamers that also enjoy heavy games without excluding them. If that's even something that you focus on. I don't know that we really focus on attracting any people in particular. I mean, we're big proponents of the saying of play what you dig, right? Enjoy playing what you enjoy playing. We're not going to poo-poo you playing any game. I don't care if it's Old Maid. I don't care if it's Monopoly. I don't care if it's ASL. Play what you enjoy. Now, that doesn't mean we can't be like, oh, and this is something that we're going to actually start doing a, a new series of videos that we're going to do that's also going to cross over with the podcast is, oh, you like this game. So take, for instance, as an example, you enjoy Ticket to Ride. Well, if you enjoy these things about Ticket to Ride, maybe you would also enjoy these things about this other game that is, call it a step up in, in, in weight. Um, I don't want to use the term like you're graduating, like you're, you're some lesser person because you're playing Ticket to Ride as opposed to Age of Steam. Not at all. That's not at all what we're going after. However, what we want to do is we want to be able to make a series of videos slash podcasts to from Ticket to Ride to 18XX. And how do you get from here to here? Now, not everybody is going to be able to or want to do that. Oh. Oh, hey, buddy. Hey, look who it is. Come here. Come here. Hey. Asher says hi, everybody. Just woke up from his nap over behind the camera over there. All right. So as I was saying, um, I don't know that we try to attract any any in particular person. However, I mean, obviously, it it's in our benefit if people enjoy heavier games because obviously that means potentially more listeners, more viewers, whatever for us. But also, it expands the amount of people that will enjoy the games that we enjoy and it brings more people into this part of the hobby, which means better for all of us, right? Uh, what's up, sleepyhead? So... Yeah, okay, you enjoy Ticket to Ride? Well, what about Airlines Europe? Or what about Age of Steam? Or what about Mini Rails? Or any of these other games? Whatever. And so we're going we're gonna to try and use that as stepping stones. Again, I'm, I'm trying to word this carefully so that it doesn't come across as derogatory. Or, oh, we're better. Or elitist. Or any of the other things that we get accused of being on occasion. Which... Doesn't make sense to me. Asher, all about some scritches here. If you do come to HeavyCon, Asher, is it a HeavyCon? Yeah. Come over here. There we go. All right. So hopefully that answers that. All right. Anyway, uh, let's see. Next question. After attending WBC, do you have any interest in getting to an elite level of the game? 
being one of the best in the world at Game X, or does fear of burnout uh, keep that in check? And that's actually a really good question because there were certain games at WBC that I was intimidated to to try and play in a tournament setting. Uh, St. Petersburg, Brass, number of other games that I just never would. Now, Dominus Species, for some ungodly known reason, was not a tournament game this year. It will be next year because I will GM it if worse comes to worse. Uh, like Brass Birmingham, that's one that the guys running Brass said they're going to make available. See you later, buddy. All right, Asher says bye. He's going to go lay back down now. He's actually, hold on, lay down, lay down, and now he's laying down right over here. All right, the guys running the Brass Birmingham, or Brass Lancashire, the original Brass tournament said he's going to have a Brass Birmingham, Brass Lancashire uh, tournament for next year. So I feel like I have a leg up on people for Brass Birmingham right now, because not many people have played that. So I feel like I have a, a good advantage on that. But do I want to do what I overheard, or I think it was Amanda that overheard, that if getting, uh, easy, good thing I don't talk for a living. One guy said he was, he played over 200 games of St. Petersburg the month leading up to WBC so he could get ready for the tournament. That will never, I, I have zero interest in that. I just, I burn out on games too easily. Um, like uh, Vala was talking about 80, 90 games of a game. I've never reached anywhere near that with any of them. I'd say like 25 is the highest I've ever gone on any game. And that's getting pretty close with dominant species. But even then, that's over the course of, you know, four or five years. So what, I'm playing it every couple months? I'm good with that. But if I, uh, when we get ready for a review, when I'm, when we're getting ready for a review, we'll play it five, six times in short succession, possibly. Might be time to take a break from that game for a little bit. Uh, just the way I work. It, it's, I, both Amanda and I are similar in that it's possible that it doesn't take us as many games to need to take a break from a game as other folks, which is fine. It's just, I'm never going to get to an elite level on any game outside of like maybe Elkfest. And I feel like I'm, I'm pretty high level at dominant species. Uh, but that's just cause I've played the game a lot. So yeah, no, I, I don't ever see like, Focusing on a game to try and get to a level to where I could I could really be highly competitive Specifically for something like WBC. I would just never would now Does that mean I won't enter certain events and if I do well great if I don't so be it No, of course not But yeah, I, I will never focus on that and that has nothing to do with the show Even if the show didn't exist that still would not be the case just no interest Somebody had asked about the uh, survey update. So if you guys are still sticking around and you haven't done the survey, we definitely would appreciate it if you go to heavycardboard.com forward slash survey. In fact, here, I'll show you. It looks like that if you're watching live or after the fact. 
we are asking people to give us feedback about the show. And there has been some really, really good uh, critical feedback, um, critical meaning corrective criticism that sometimes is hard to read, but I'm like, if you're being honest, yeah, okay, that's fair. Some of it uh, we appreciate, but we're not going to we're not going to take. There's been almost 450 responses, which have been amazing. That's fantastic. Way more than we expected, to be honest. We're gonna keep that running for the rest of this week, and then we have five prizes. I think we're giving away. I forget what they are. I think they're listed on the survey. Um, so yeah, it can be anonymous. So if you want to rip us to shreds anonymously you can do so if you want to be really nice and say some complimentary stuff um but with some positive or with some critical feedback by all means leave your name and email if you want to be entered um but yeah that that's been really awesome coming up on nearly 500 responses so thanks to everybody that's done that and for those that will we really appreciate it all right so let me catch back up here uh whole lot of whole lot of Asher stuff Arkwright another one that needs to be added to the list Giovanni for pre-Essen yeah so Trent talks about here kind of nailed the tone of why I'm sometimes frustrated by heavier gamers the word choice gives a sense that people are lesser they're they're like lesser gamers for not playing for playing lighter games. That's stupid. Don't do that. Don't be that person. If you don't be condescending or dude, play what you dig and let other people have their fun. Just cuz you don't like or we don't like Splendor, I'm not going to poo-poo somebody playing Splendor because hey, they're doing something they enjoy. Go for it. Let other people like the things they like. Nothing wrong with that. The internet should learn that. No chance. I get that. But yeah, um, that goes both ways, though. So uh, I, I tend to take umbrage with folks that poo-poo heavier games. Oh, it looks like a spreadsheet. Why? Oh, how could that ever be fun? It's fun for us. We enjoy it. So it goes both ways, right? Later gamers or later gamers um, poo-pooing the heavier and vice versa. Just let people enjoy what they enjoy. Not hard. Really. It's not hard. But I, I, I do try and I struggle with the verbiage on that, though, to, to make sure that it conveys the right meaning and that it's not coming across as like graduating. Like, I like why do you need to graduate? You don't. So just moving up in, in depth or complexity or weight of a game is, is how I try and phrase it. It just doesn't always come across that way. Um, we've been accused of being elitists, which sorry if we've given that impression. I don't think we, we are. We actually fight pretty hard against that, but sorry if we've given that impression. Um, Jason said or asks, uh, apart from space constraints, constraints and human bodies, what are your main obstacles in live streaming larger player count, heavier games? My dreams are having a heavy cardboard Virgin Queen in them. Uh, all right. So on that note, as the studio is set up right now, this moment, five players is what we're limited to right now. So we have me and Amanda 
over on this side of the table. Usually it's like Matt and Ash or Sweater Mike and Ash or Matt and whatever over there. Somebody over on the end, we can do that. However, this seat right here, uh, we have to manipulate some things and we're still not finishing up the studio. It's still a work in progress outside of the uh, anything more than a six player live stream, which I want to be able to. That's why we haven't live streamed Dominant Species. I want to be able to do it six players. And hopefully uh, we'll be able to do that maybe after the patron drive, after Essen, that type thing to where things are getting set up a little bit more how we want them in here. Um, we just, I would love to be able to do some of these six player games. Anything bigger than six, that's going to be a struggle. Um, I'll be honest, there's not a whole lot of games that I would want to play that play more than six. Can't think of any. And anybody that says Caverna at seven, no, just stop. Stop. Don't type. <laughs> Nick says, no offense, Edward, but this has been the most enjoyable part of the stream, giving Asher ear scratches. I don't blame you. Dogs are therapeutic, man. He is a, Asher is an amazing puppy dog. He just turned 12 last week while I was at uh, Gen Con on Wednesday. Um, dude is out. Greyhounds sleep with their eyes open. So you have to make sure not to startle them because they will snap at you if you sleep startle them. But tongue just kind of out like... Eyes half open. Yeah, dude's out. Giovanni, even if I'm not invited, I'll be at HeavyCon. <laughs> Don't give people ideas, please. We're limited on space. Don't do that. Trent says, it's chats like this. Why I'm a, a Patreon supporter or a patron. Uh, you made a dreadful Monday better and let me think about my hobby a little. Awesome, dude. Mission accomplished, right? We're having a conversation. I think it's cool. I'm enjoying it. What, what else would I be doing? Emailing publishers. Okay, I need to do that, yes. But man, I enjoy this. I enjoy this interact. Otherwise, why the hell are we doing this, right? If this isn't fun. Quick question about HeavyCon, Philip asks. When will the invites go out so I can uh, get cheaper airline tickets? Usually, it's, uh, it's post-Essen because... Between now and Essen, I'm focused on getting ready for Essen because that is the biggest con for us of the year outside of HeavyCon itself. So usually post-Essen, I think I said September, October uh, the other day in Slack, um, but it's actually going to be around November is when the invites are going to go out. Yeah, it's right around Thanksgiving time frame. So between the end, uh, say Halloween to Thanksgiving, so you're looking end of October, end of November, somewhere in that window. Um, and we're going to do them in waves. So everybody that's attended, they're automatically invited uh, unless they give us reason not to and nobody ever has. So every, all of them. So there's 94. Uh, and then depending on how many RSVP and pay, then we invite more. So that's how that'll work. Ask your bed camera. Get on it. We've talked about it. Another thing on that is we're trying to investigate a way to have it to where we have multiple streams to where you choose what camera you want to watch. We're not at that level 
tech, uh, technically available yet to us, um, nor 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 financially available to us. But if that's something that you want, Akarashi, Akarash, AK asks. <laughs> To add on to that, were there any games that you thought would be godly uh, that you uh, that you found out not? I will be attending WBC for the first time next year, and I'm super excited, super shocked. There is no food chain magnate or uh, key flower tournament. You can always be the GM for it. Uh, there there are ways to do that. Uh, it's a involved process that starts. Well, you should get on that very soon if that's something that uh, interests you. But, uh, well, yeah, I would dominant species. How is that not a tournament game this year? That, that, that upset me pretty bad. I was really excited for that. And then it didn't happen. Uh, like Concordia. Uh, yeah. A lot of these, you know, solid euros I would think would, would make good tournament games, but then there are a lot of games that I had no idea would be a tournament. Here I stand as a tournament. Okay, cool. Uh, but yeah, Dominant Species was the big one that that was a big bummer for me. Dan asks, uh, "How do how do I like Brass Birmingham versus the original?" It's still too early to make a definitive on that. But the replayability and the, or mm, let me rephrase that, the variability of uh, Brass Birmingham, pretty exciting versus the static setup that is Brass Lancashire. However, I'm not sure that all the paths, and again, only what, half a dozen plays or so Brass Birmingham, I'm not sure all the other avenues of manufactured goods and stuff are as viable as one another and they there there are obviously i'm sure things in strategies that i've not encountered yet that would work well to balance those so i haven't gotten to that point but provided all that works out and it's balanced might lean more towards brass birmingham believe it or not really good really enjoyable and man what is normally a two and a half hour game Brass Birmingham for a first first learning game when we taught folks, it took like five, five and a half hours because so many people came up to us at WBC and was talking about it and asking questions. It got to the point the people that were just hanging out watching the game as we played it were actually answering the people's questions because they heard me answer it so much throughout the course of us playing the game. And God bless uh, Dave and Eddie that were playing with us, me and Amanda, that were patient enough and didn't mind a brass game that took five hours because so many people kept stopping by asking us questions during that. So that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah. I think Merlin puts it pretty well here. Omni gamer, love them all, respect them all respect. That's all it is. Respect other people's likes. Not hard. Just not hard. Golden rule, right? Treat people how you'd like to be treated. Boy, the world could use more of that. Anyone who thinks that we're elitists, uh, meaning me or Amanda or whatever, just isn't paying attention, maybe thinks you look down on them uh, who look who like uh, lighter games and couldn't be further from the truth. I'm catching up to you guys. I'm almost there. 
AK asks, are the dates confirmed for HeavyCon 2018? Yup. Uh, let me let me scroll. Uh, it's Memorial Day weekend, which for those of y'all not in the U.S., that is May 24th through midnight on May 27th. So Thursday through Sunday. We're also talking about doing a uh, unofficial official hike on Wednesday, the day before. So on the 23rd. Uh, leaving at about 6 a.m., heading up to the mountains, going on, you know, maybe a five-mile hike or so that want to join us. Then go have a big breakfast in Idaho Springs. Then go back to the hotel, let everybody shower up, relax for the rest of the day. And then we'll do the meetup and impromptu gaming thing that we did at the brewery again this year. I think that would be a really fun thing for folks that aren't native here in Colorado. Not that we are, but we live here. You know what I mean. Uh, can go check it out without trying to kill them on the hike. I think that would be really, really a good time on Wednesday. So that's something we're considering doing. Yorick says, yeah, there's plenty of time to email publishers later today. Yeah, I know. I know. Okay. So Vala is AK. All right. We'll just go with Vala then. That's easier for me to say. Trent asks, have you ever considered doing a heavy game playthrough where you have asides added later from players where they talk through their decision-making progress at particular points in the game? Nope. Doesn't mean we won't. But that requires post-stream post editing. That's something we're, we haven't done yet. So that it's not to say that it's not something we won't do. But to be honest with you, until Amanda and I both are full-time, that's probably not going to happen. Uh, there's just not enough hours in the day to do the content that we're doing already, much less uh, adding on stuff that's going to uh, come out in post. It's probably not going to happen until, well, until Amanda's full-time. So down the road, but I like, I like where your head's at, Trent. Vala, are you guys confirmed to be reviewing, playthroughing Gaia Project, Agra, and City of the Big Shoulders? Reviewing? 100% yes. Playthrough? I won't promise, but likely. How's that? Dan says, appreciate the info. Looking forward to playing the new Brass, meaning Brass Birmingham. Uh, the original is one of my favorites, for sure. Can you elaborate, uh, Bama Man? Hey, Eric. Uh, can you elaborate a bit more on the differences between Lancashire and Birmingham? Uh, sure. I mean, I, I think we highlighted them in the playthroughs, but we can, I can touch on it. So, Brass Birmingham, which is, or I'm, check that, Brass Lancashire is the brass that everybody knows, which static setup, um, a couple of minor changes here or there, but static setup. That's going to be the main difference. In Birmingham, you have three different types of manufactured goods. You have pottery, you have manufactured goods, and you have cotton mills. As opposed to in Brass Lancashire, you only have cotton mills. So you have those being different avenues. You have uh, beer or breweries, which produce beer, which you need to be able to build a second rail uh, in one action like you do you don't. You need uh, coal in addition to the beer that you need in Brass Birmingham to build two uh, rail, double rail. You also need beer for most of the deliveries for the manufactured goods. There's no more ports. There's no more like that or no more things you can build like that. However, 
there are five different, five or six, I can't remember, different marketplaces or off-board locations like what there is in Brass Lancashire, except you can only deliver some of the goods and these are randomized before the beginning of the game. You can only deliver certain goods to certain ports. So you have to have a path to be able to deliver those along with beer. And it's kind of like how Age of Steam, if you play different Age of Steam maps, it still feels like Age of Steam, but it very much feels like its own game. This is a lot like that in that it feels like brass, but it feels like its own version of brass. And I, yeah, I think that's a good way to, to put it. So I hope that helps. Vala says, do you also feel the public buildings, rubble, cleaning, and decree interaction overshadows the blue-green action-oriented strategies in Lisboa? I haven't played it enough to be able to speak on whether or not one is stronger than the other or overshadows one or the other. Um, it definitely seems like the... It feels balanced and funny, funny uh, side note on this that Vital actually liked our review of Lisboa, which is always nice. But he also said that why the decrees were an integral part of the game and thematically they do make sense because the state would give, uh, uh, make goals for these businesses and give them bonuses based on certain things that they would reach to help prosper and help build up the city so i was like okay then fair enough that makes sense uh but yeah as far as the different strategy paths i can't say as far as overshadowing or not sorry vala yep seth welcome and yep feeling better definitely not 100 percent, but i'd say about 90 i'm good with that all right i've reached the end of the internet that's it two and a half hours that's pretty good. All right. So if there's nothing else, I'll go ahead and head out of here. And go take care of the rest of the day. So thanks everybody that uh, has joined us. I really, really appreciate um, you guys hanging out with me. And hopefully me hanging out with y'all has made your work day. Or early evening if you're over over the, the pond. Uh, a little bit easier. So thanks everybody. Um, also... Uh, if you guys are interested in supporting the show, patreon.com forward slash heavy cardboard, we're going to be running a patron drive, which I, I guess I ought to take a second and talk about that. Um, so patron drive, think of it as Kickstarter without a Kickstarter. Now, could we run a Kickstarter? Yeah, but we also feel like Patreon is the medium that fits best with what it is that we do. And we love the concept of folks being patrons, like being a patron of the arts. You're being a patron of the art that is heavy cardboard. And if it's something that you think it's worth uh, having an impact on, as well as uh, having your, your, your voices heard and helping shape the direction of the show, then consider supporting the show. Patreon.com forward slash heavy cardboard. We really would appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Trying to get it to where I can do it full-time. Uh, continue to improve the studio uh, as we go along. And eventually, if things work out uh, and there is demand for it, eventually bring Amanda on full-time to where then, whew, sky's the limit at that point, y'all. So we're going to have a whole lot of cool things available. Now, there are two 
Two ways you're going to be able to support the show on the Patreon drive through Patreon, patreon.com forward slash heavy cardboard. The other option is going to be through our store. Now, the store is not updated yet. We have some stuff going on behind the scenes. We're going to have a lot of new things that are available. Uh, some after the patron drive will still be available. Some will not. Some will be patron drive only. Uh, the one thing that I will announce that I'm really, really excited about, I just got confirmation this morning, is Eno Tool is going to make a design a t-shirt, a patron-only t-shirt. So if you're a patron, you can then purchase that shirt. That's pretty badass to me. I'm excited. So that's very cool. Thank you, Ian, for being willing to do that. We have a whole bunch of other ideas. The patron levels are actually going to be adjusted and manipulated a little bit um, to hopefully make them a little bit more exciting to folks. Um, and even if you don't like the subscription model that Patreon has, it's going to we're going to make it available to people that don't want to do that. You want to make a one-time donation? Hey, you love the idea of being a $5 patron but you don't want to have a $5 payment every month, 60 bucks. Boom, you get the $5 patron over the course of a year. There you go. Easy enough. We're going to take care of that, make it real easy on you. So this way, you don't have to worry about the subscription method if that's a issue for you. So yeah, pretty excited about it. So hopefully uh, you guys will help us uh, spread the word. And yeah. That's, that's pretty much where we're at. All right, guys. So look for that. We're thinking the start date um, tentatively is going to be the 9th of September. It could be as late as the 16th. It's going to be right around there. Uh, we're going to run it for anywhere between two weeks and a month. We're, we'll see how things go. Anyway, thanks everybody for joining me. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully you guys have enjoyed it. Definitely, definitely appreciate the support. Enjoy the company. Keep the feedback. Don't forget the survey, heavycardboard.com forward slash survey. And with that, I bid you adieu. Have a great rest of your Monday. Make sure you come by and watch the intro to the Vasco da Gama video tomorrow. Should be a lot of fun. Take care, guys. Thanks for joining. Bye. Mm -hmm.